Christian. Greetings to each and every one here today. Um, to start with, I'm going to be reading out of Psalms 100, and I don't know why, except that I can. Um, and I think part of the reason why my why might be is because of uh, the conversation that I had last week. I had a call from a friend, and um, he asked me how I'm doing. And without putting a lot of thought into it, I gave my typical response: "Way better than I deserve." And I think I think it's okay to think a little bit before you respond to those because I was with my wife in urgent care and the doctor came in she was sitting on the examining table and the doctor came in and and asked her how are you doing today and she said fine and I looked at her and I said I think we'd better be moving on I we're at the wrong place but I do think that it, it it's okay to put a little re, uh, thought into response because when people actually ask us do I actually care about what that person is going through in his life and if I do, I should be willing to sit down and listen to him. But this, this person, I was just refreshed. He, he's, a, he's my neighbor. He's a, um, he's a cop. He just moved in from Phoenix, Arizona, and he, didn't, he hasn't lived here very long at all. And I didn't know where he was at with his spiritual walk with life. And when I, when I gave him that response of that, I'm way better than I deserve, he says, I love that response, Norm. Can you believe... Can you imagine, Norman, what it would be like not to have that, that um, faith that at some point in time that we can have a better place than right here? What's going to happen with us after death? You know, are we just going to disappear? What, what happens with that? And he said, can you imagine that? And I said, yes, I can. And I said, I think you probably can too. And it's not a good feeling. I think all of us like that feeling that at some point in time that we can have that assurance that we can be with, with Jesus. Psalms 100 is such an encouragement, and I want to I read it this morning. It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pastures. Can I say that, actually? Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. As long as the world stands, we can have that promise that he is going to be here for our generation, my generation, the next generation, and all generations until the end of the world. Um, last evening, I came home, and I had my message kind of outline what I was planning to preach. To, uh, about today and I had been mulling about it for a week and I had some you know I had the um, outline kind of written out what I was I was planning to, to, to talk about today and as I was studying it hit me this isn't what I need to preach about today and I really struggled with that for a while because I I didn't I didn't want to go through all of this again and you know I rewrite my notes. I mean, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? And so, uh, but I did. Um, and so if, if the message comes across as being somewhat discombobulated, um, it's because that from 7 o'clock till, 
10.30 or 11 o'clock or whenever um, this, this got rewritten. And I do believe it, it's, a, it's an important um, message that I'm bringing today. And the, the text is taken out of chapter 4 in Ephesians. Um, and as, as I read this, I'm probably not going to, for the uh, sake of time, I'm probably not going to read through it and then go back. I'm just going to, um, I'm going to start right in. And there's parts of it that could be skipped, and I might have to do it, uh, depending on how much time I have. But it, it's a message for me. It's not a message for any one of you out there today, but it, it's a message for me specifically, because it's, it's, yeah, it's a message straight from God, and I, I, I don't feel, there's some people today that feel like um, there's certain parts of the scriptures, other than the, than the, um, um, the gospels, that probably were not quite as inspired as the gospels were, and therefore they don't, we can't give them full credit. I believe that Paul had a specific reason for writing this letter to the Ephesians. I think it, it still is, is important today. And um, in the first three chapters of Ephesians, he had, he had basically, he had, he had said about the new dispens dispensation that we're living in. We are now no longer living as, as Jews or Gentiles or Samaritans or anything like that. We are now living with the same promise. Um, God sent his son into the world that every one of us can have that redemption. Every one of us, regardless of what color we are here today, what language we speak, what nationality we belong to, we are all entitled to the same gift. And that is, that is fabulous when you think about it. And, he, and Paul says to the Ephesians here in verse 1, um, before we get started, I'd also like to make mention that I don't think I'm the first person that has recognized this, but there was a new Christian that had been reading through Ephesians. And after she got done reading, she said that she'd be very interested in having some, a book on church history. And when one of the more mature Christians asked her what, why, or I mean, what, what part of it that she's interested in learning about, she said, well, when did the Christians not start living out what the Bible teaches us? And I think that is something that that we want to be actual doers of the word, not only, not only readers or hearers. We want, to, we want to do and apply these things to our lives because these things were not just written here for, for a general, you know, it's like, hey, if you feel a suggestion, I think, would be the word. They're not just here for a suggestion. They're here that we're actually supposed to these are applications that apply to our life, my life, more specifically. I therefore, the prisoners of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you are called. So if we are called to be Christians, if we are, we proclaim to be Christians, let's live a life that shows that we're Christians. With all lowliness and meekness. <clears throat> that doesn't sound like much fun. I don't like to be lowly. That's, you know... Lord, you can't be serious about that. You want me to be lowly. Somebody that, somebody that 
has no importance whatsoever. Are you kidding me? Yeah, um, but yes, that's what the Lord is asking me. To bring myself down to other people's level, to, to, to seek out the needs of other people and truly have a fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I want to be that person. <clears throat> and also, I, I do also want to mention that uh, Ephesians here in this chapter that I'm talking about is kind of broke up into three segments. Uh, the first uh, maybe six verses are more on, on teaching about how a person can change. It's not something that, you know, is, is just, you know, there's certain sins that I can't repent of. Uh -uh. There's everything. God gives grace that everything, every, every issue that we're dealing with today can be addressed. God can, can forgive. He is, he is faithful and he is just. And then and the second portion is, is kind of from verse 8 to 10 as life, was, uh, life change was secured by Jesus. And um, we don't have to, it's been taken care of. We don't have to worry about that. And then from verse 11 is when the rubber hits the road, we need to apply these things. We need to, we need to get out there and do what Christians do. So, um, so we go on into um, verse 2, and it says, With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, and I like the definition that it said on long-suffering. It said, the spirit that has the power to take revenge, but doesn't. I mean, I could, I could go out there and I could really retaliate on this person. You know what? There's no way of coming back from that. This is great, but I don't do that because I'm a long-suffering individual. Christ could have come, he could have been up there on the, he was up there on the cross, and he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free, but he didn't. That's the faithful man of God that I want to be. Uh, just because I have that ability that I could be, have revenge, doesn't mean that I'm going to take it. <clears throat> it. It takes a forgiving, generous heart to do that. <clears throat> and then it says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bonds of peace. And I don't believe that that's talking about any kind of a specific church structure that, that it's talking about and keeping the unity. You know what? I want everyone to wear blue shirts and black pants next Sunday. Or, or you know, I don't, I don't think that's the unity that it's talking about. Or that, you know, um, well, right now I'm not, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. But there's... It's talking about the unity of spirit in Christ. It's talking about being unified under, under the spirit of God, that all of us have that same drawing spirit that brings us down, and we want to come together, and we want to, we want to all endeavor to serve the Lord together. We want to all encourage you. We all want you to have that same faith and that same love for each other that, that I do and I can have um, that's the unity, I think, that it's talking about here. Then it says, there's one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. It, um, there again, it's just like I had mentioned earlier. There is, 
there isn't some kind of a racial discrimination that's going to go on and that, that is taking place. Therefore, you can't, you can't be part of this body of God. No, there is one body that's lovely, it's beautiful. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through us all and in you all. Is that something that I can actually say with truth? Is that, is that Spirit of God in you all? Is that Spirit of God with me today? Is it, is, is, and if it is, I would just love if every one of you, if the rest of you could also have that same Spirit of God because that, that's something that I want badly and I hope that all of you want as badly. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he said, when he hath ascended up, up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And I was, I was kind of thinking about that a little bit. And, you know, what is he trying to say there? And I don't know how many of you have actually come to the conclusion on that. And I'm not exactly sure that I'm barking up the right tree. But um, from what I, was, what I was reading was that in the, the Old Testament times especially, um, they had they had battles and then there was victories and so when when there'd be a, a victor then um, the king whoever was victor would lead his his soldiers parade his soldiers through the streets and then after the soldiers would come the defeated one you know the king and the lead and then all his his guys you know and I think I can imagine they'd not be marching they'd kind of be shuffling along with their heads down um, looking depressed and after that came all the booty of war and so um the king would would sit there and he would actually gift this this booty he would gift to his men of war kind of for a you know a thank you gift and and that's basically what this is saying wherefore jesus after he ascended up unto high he led captivity captives and gave gifts unto men. And that's the gift. The gift of salvation is what he gave to each and every one of you. And that's, that's a gift that way, is way better than any gift that any soldier ever got. <clears throat> now that he ascended what it is, but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. And I'm not exactly, well, I think the lower parts of the earth would be talking about... Um, the earth as we see it, because he, he did not, he did not, dis, I mean, he was up in heaven and then he came down onto earth. And I, I don't know, there's some people that want to talk about him going to Hades, which is another definition of hell. I, I, I'm, the jury is still out on that. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still trying to figure that one out. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave, and that, now he's talking about, about the gifts out here. And this is something that is very near and dear to me. I mean, there's so many of us that think that the gifts of the Spirit are somehow, are, you know, are regulated to only the ministry and the elders and the leadership team somehow. That is, that is such incorrect information. I was so blessed this morning when Daryl was uh, teaching Sunday school. He, he said that, you know, he's just amazed at all the gifts that the, that the men here have. And I, I am blessed with that. And I think that each and every one of us here have a gift that we can contribute to, 
the working of the church. Um, there, there's some people, yeah, that, that believe that, well, you know, the gifts of being an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor and a teacher, that's only for certain people. It's not true. In fact, I was, I was reminded of that last, um, or when I was, while we were gone, we went back to um, Dina's home church in, in Tennessee. And we visited some, some people that we had um, not seen for a while. And there was three times that the conversation came up, that this certain couple came up. And they said, that, what a blessing that that couple is in the church. They said, you know, they're missionaries right here in this own, their own community. Why did they sound so surprised? Isn't that something that each and every one of us should be as a missionary right here at home? And shouldn't we have that heart that desires to go out and reach out to our brothers and sisters? Shouldn't we each have that desire to just be a worker in the Lord? And that? And some, one person made the comment, he said, you know, he should be an ordained man. I said, I don't see it that way at all. I think it is just a lovely thing when, when all of us can work together. Um, I like the illustration of baking a cake. I'm pretty good at baking in case anybody wonders. Actually, not that good. But, and in fact, I haven't baked a cake for a long time. I, I know how. Trust me, as a boy growing up with no sisters, I, I baked a lot of cake. Well, with two sisters, but the, but the um, youngest one was just a baby. And, and my next sister was just older than me. And so I learned how to do it all. Um, didn't, didn't change any diapers. Um, but that was, that was good. I escaped that. Um, but when you bake a cake, the ingredients of a cake, you take flour. You go, hmm, 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 that's not that good. It's really actually pretty tasteless, kind of gooey. You take salt. Hmm, that's kind of got a bitter taste. Take vanilla. That's good, isn't it? Smells good. Ah, you tried taking a good old blurb of that. Doesn't cut it. How about an egg? I like eggs. You just put one raw in your mouth. Doesn't do anything for me at all. Well, it might give the gag reflexes quite a, quite a workout. But you mix all of those ingredients together and you have a beautiful thing. Oh, that thing tastes good. And I love it. And I think that that's the way that the church can work if we all work together. We all work together as members. I think that we can all, um, together, we can make church a beautiful thing. You know, if there's, if there's a leader that dominates the whole thing, that, that the, that the um, structured church doesn't work the way that it should, and then all of a sudden we see too much flour, we see too much salt, we see too much vanilla or whatever, sugar, um, even sugar. When you eat it by the cupful, it's not, it's not good. Um, you put some on your tongue, yeah, it's not too bad for one taste. Verse uh, 13, till we come into the unity of the faith. There again, it's talking about the unity of the faith. It's not talking about, it's not talking about necessarily gospel light fellowship. It's not talking about, you know, clone of Mennonite. It's talking about the unity of faith in the Christian living. 
says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man into the measure of the stature of the fullness of, of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine and by the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Uh, anymore today, if um, we have so many fads out there, I think that there's so many, so many um, new practices, new faith, that, new revelations that we have from the Lord. And, and all of a sudden, we all jump on board with this mega church and its, and its new vision from the Lord and whatever. And all of a sudden, and I'm, I'm not, it's not even just amongst the mega churches. I mean, we have, we have a, I think we can call him a brother, um, amongst our circles that has actually been, been speaking a lot on the um, end times about about the, um, the vaccines, about the government, whatever else. And he's been spreading a fair amount of, of lies. And how do we know when, when there's a false prophet out there? Is when, when, he, when he tells lies, that you, then, then you know that he is a false prophet. And, and I had a friend that had another friend that was dedicating a lot of time to this individual and he said, during the election time, I kept track and I wrote these things down that he was prophesying about. And after three shots, and he missed every one of them, he said, you know, you have got to, to um, quit quoting this individual because he's a false prophet. And false prophets don't have any place in the Bible, I don't think. <clears throat> then in verse 15, it says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up and do all things, which is the head, even Christ. And we can do that without backing away from the truth. I think that sometimes we think that, well, we have to be kind, we have to be tactful, we can't, we can't hurt this individual's feelings. You know, it might drive him away from it, but no. Friends, brothers and sisters, if it's the truth, if it's dealing with a person's soul, it needs to be spoken, but in love. <clears throat> And then we um, go on into verse uh, 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working of the measure of every part, make an increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. Verse 17, this I say therefore and testify, and I'm going to have to go very rapidly because I would like to spend just a little bit more time here in the, in the very end. Um, I shouldn't have taken quite as big of a chunk here, but... It is the way it is, um, and and all of this important. I'm not. All of this is important. I'm not trying to, you know, run through this and say, well, this isn't important. Therefore, I'm going to skip across it. But there's, actually, I'm even going to not read. Um, I'm going to start at verse 25, is where I'm going to start reading. It's kind of a. It takes on a new section right there, and it says. Wherefore, put in a way a line, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So, what that's talking about is, talking about my bot. Let's, let's put this into a context of talking about my body. So, if my hand reaches out, you know that there's a, there's a fire burning out there. But I reach out there anyway, and I, I say, you know, my hand says that this isn't hot. So I'm going to touch it anyway. So I touch it. I get burned. That's the way it works. 
uh, or it does for me anyway. So guess what? The rest of my body gets to contain, I mean contend with that pain because I foolishly reached out and touched that. And that's why I think we should speak the truth, every man, to his brother. I want to tell, I want to speak the truth to you. You want to speak the truth to me so that I can, so that my members can all be joined together. Because if I'm lying, you don't know what is the truth. And therefore, you can't deal with it in a proper way if you don't know what is truth. <clears throat> be ye angry and sin not, let not the wrath let not the sun go down upon your wrath. I read this story about, about this little boy, um, and I thought it was a perfect picture of the way that I sometimes run my life. This little boy got beat up pretty badly by his brother. I can't imagine that any of you ever had that happen to you. Well, <laughs> how about you sisters? You didn't do any scrapping either. But... Um, so this boy got beat up fairly badly, and he had a hard time forgiving his brother. There, I'm looking back at the boys now. And, and he had a hard time forgiving his brother. And mom was pretty intent on it that, you know, despite being badly used, I want, I want you to make up with your brother. And so that night, before he went to bed, she said, are you going to forgive your brother? And he said, well, I'd about as soon not. And then she said, but what does the Bible say about that? Not letting the sun go down upon your wrath. And he said, well, how can I keep the sun from going down? So that's, that, is the, that is the problem that so many of us today like to think that we can, we can hang on to this resentment, this bitter, bitterness. We don't want to, well, yeah, we need to forgive at some point in time. There was this man that made his deathbed confession to his friend, and he said that, you know, they used to, well, they used to be friends, but they hadn't been for many years. But then he saw that he was getting ill and he wasn't going to probably recover, and so he decided, man, I don't, I don't want to go out of life holding bitterness. And so Joe called Bill in and he said, you know, I'm sorry, Bill, that I treated you that way. Bill, can you forgive me? And Bill said, yes, he can. And they talked, and he left, and Joe shouted as he left. He says, now, Bill, remember this, that if, um, if, I don't, if I get well and recover, this doesn't count. That's not the way that true forgiveness works. No. I think you, you, you um, relieve that feeling at any cost. At any cost. It, the sacrifice is worth it. <clears throat> um. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that steal, steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hand the things which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. <clears throat> and that is the, probably the, the last verse is the one that I would like to um, spend a little more time. There was, if I can find the notes now, um, there was... A, 
Yeah, that, that took a long time, but I found them, I think, the, the part that I'm looking for. Um, there is this, this thing that we can sometimes, I read this verse often. And be ye kind one to another. It's, one, it's a verse that probably most parents taught their children at a fairly early age. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, for God's sake, hath forgiven us. Yeah, I said that. Feels good. But I, um, I, wrote, I read a list of things that just really grabbed my attention last night. And it, it says, just as Christ forgives us, God holds back his anger a long time until he forgives. He bears with us for a long time, though we sorely provoke him. God reaches out to bad people and, and at attempts to woo them to himself. God always makes the first move in forgiveness, trying to reconcile, even though the guilty party is uninterested in forgiveness. God forgives our sins, knowing that we will probably sin again. That's kind of discouraging to think about that. That What? He knows that we're going to probably sin again, and yet he still forgives us. God in his forgiveness bore all of the, all of the penalty for the wrong we did against him. And then God requires no probationary period to receive his forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive him. That, um, and to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's, that's the thing that I would like to, um, to leave with you. So the last one is God's forgiveness offers complete restoration and honor. He loves, adopts, honors, and associates with those who once wronged him. Example, um, the, the Apostle Paul is a prime example of that. And that's, that's the thing that I would like to remember, that God's love has no boundaries. And he teaches us that we should be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. And that's, that's the encouragement that I would like to leave with each and every one of you. Be faithful and let's uh, pray for each other.